Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Our Father and our God, I just want to say thank you. Lord, we give you praise. We thank you for our gathering today. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. We thank you for what you are doing. We thank you for what you continually do. Father, we say let your name be glorified in the name of Jesus. As we go through your word, Lord, you will exalt yourself again. Celebrate yourself, Jesus. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's have our seat. God bless us all in the name of Jesus Christ. A topic we have is lasting with God. Um, lasting with God. Just before we go into that details, just wanted to that we mentioned it earlier that there is an altar of prayer that God has given us grace in the church to to raise. The altar of prayer has been raised on a daily basis for three years now. And it is coming to one side. Um, in its current formation now, on Friday is when it comes to the last day. God has requested that we open up the call for everyone who wants to join. So we would have it as part of the prayer service. And there has been so much that God has done on that altar of prayer. Um, you know, I thank God for the lives of everyone who stood for three years on that altar of prayer, those who joined in the middle of it, those who joined, um, you know, those who gave their time on that altar of prayer. And in the midst of our prayer, I have seen God fulfill prophecy, scriptural prophecy, that's what I'm saying. And, uh, because the altar prayer was initially raised for the nation when COVID hit. And God said that we should start to mount the altar of prayer. It was very interesting that you know, when COVID hits, I can remember then God would say, turn your prayers towards, towards um, Italy. And it was as if after a week later, the news begins to spread because then Italy was hit back in badly. And things like that. As God was, you know, giving us direction and when COVID was coming to us, God said, no, when the time comes, I will tell you when the altar prayer should, should, should put to a point. And, you know, I definitely did not, was not looking at the time um, or date when God said, it's going to be three years soon. And I want you to stop on the day it gets to three years. I didn't know the date. It was God later said, you started it on this day, uh, which was quite interesting. So, the 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 parallel is going to say is that Jeremiah chapter twenty, Jeremiah chapter twenty nine, is a scripture we normally read. 
Um, but I just wanted to point out this scripture, which I have seen that God is faithful to in different dimensions in the lives of people, even in the church, um, over that three years. The Bible says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city which you have been carried, which, which I have carried you into exile. Pray for it. Pray, pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you also prosper. So later, I think it was after a year after we mounted that altar prayer that God began to explain to me that you begin to see certain things happen within the church. It is because that as you are faithful on this altar prayer for the nation, you will begin to see the impact of the lives of people in the church. We are not 100% there yet, but people would testify to what, how God has opened doors for them and even things that have been seen, especially when it has to do with the nation or something you're seeking for from the country or whatever the case may be. You know, even, even when it comes to God raising you to high levels in career and things like doors and things like that. And we still believe that God will continue to do it. So the altar of prayer, we will still have that altar of prayer, but the dimension by which God has said it should be will be a little bit different. So I just wanted to, to share it with us. You know, somebody was sharing a testimony when they joined the altar prayer and they said, ah, you know, it now makes sense. I did not know that there was this thing going on in the church. You know, you come into the church and you just see certain things in your life going on and you don't see that, but they don't pray the way they, you know, and things like that. But actually, at times, you know, all the prophecies that come out at times, it goes to the altar prayer. We will pray it in church, but at times you pray it just once, but after prayer, then pray it for two weeks or three weeks and things like that. So, you know, he has been very helpful. And um, we have another altar prayer that God is giving us grace to do. That altar prayer, aside from this one that happens on a daily basis, with the only time we don't have this altar prayer is Friday and Sunday. Because on Sunday we have Sunday service and Friday we have the prayer service. There is also an altar prayer that happens every Sunday morning at 5.30 in the morning for the service and things like that. And God has helped us to mount that altar prayer now. I think it must have been going up to eight years now that altar prayer has been, has been effective. God has not told us to change that or neither did he tell us to move it so that altar prayer remains the way it is in the way it's constituted. So, um, God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. It is, um, it is not a, it is not a secular, if you are, if you feel that God has laid it in your heart, I see people that God has spoken in, they spoken to, if they had dream of something that said, I want you to go enjoy that altar prayer. And you will call and say, Pastor, I heard this God said, I should join the altar prayer. So what I'm trying to say is that it is not every, it is open to anyone, but it is not everybody that, so if you don't feel that God has led you to, to it, don't worry. It is not, it is not a problem. But if you feel that God has led you to that altar prayer, it is not, and please, your leading to that altar prayer cannot be your personal issues. So, you know, that's not what the other prayer is for. You know, so, so that when we are praying for the nation and we decide to pray for the nation for one hour, 
you are not going to say, ah, I don't even know what they are doing there. <laughs> so, God bless us in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, so just to let us know that, but why I'm saying all of this is for you to also, all, you know, uh, please join on Friday. The Zoom link will be sent out. And it would, um, so the, the Friday prayers may take a little bit longer. It probably take two, two, um, two, two hours rather than the one hour and things like that, you know. At least, you know, you, you two will help us because the altar of prayer starts at 9.15 and at times we finish at 7.15 and, and at times we finish at um, 8, 8 or 7.45 and at times it may go beyond that. And it's prayers, that's what we do. It's just prayers. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, so as we, um, as we just looking at lasting with the lasting with God, lasting with God. Second Thessalonians chapter two verse three. The amplifier said, "Let let no one in any way deceive you and trap you, for that day will not come. That's the day where Christ will come back, unless the the apostate comes first. That is a, a great rebellion." Abandoning of the faith by professed Christians. And the man of lawlessness will be revealed, the Antichrist and things like that. But so what I'm trying to say is that the Bible clearly says that as the days are coming close, there would be Christians who would abandon the faith. Who would abandon the faith. And, you know, I was, um, there was a sad thing that you know, somebody was talking to me about there was this, um, there is this servant of God, there's this servant of God, um, you know, that I really do respect. He is in this country as a prophet and things like that. And, and the prophet that trained him, that he looked up to, was talking to him recently. They were talking to him. He said, that prophet said, you know, we are the one that taught you all these um, visions, how to go into the we, we raised you ourselves. But see, all those things, there's nothing there. We are telling you now that there's nothing there. The person is not a Christian again. So he's the one saying that, you know, come, let me sit you down. I said, you don't understand. And he was like, you have to come. He said, I don't understand what's going on. He said, this person, said, I was so shocked that the person that was, that would, is the one that is not saying to you, I see those vision, you know, you go to in trance, you see this, see that, those things are just, you know, don't worry. I am telling you that all those things, see all these Jesus, all those things, so it doesn't make sense again. And it was, it was, it was, it was disturbed because at times when you see that, you see that, you think that some people, when you get to a level, there are certain things that, um, that you cannot be, that cannot, um, you know, one cannot fall victim of. But what I just wanted to point out here is that the Bible clearly says to us that these days will come. But having said that, there are things that the Bible has, has put in place in such a way that preserves you. In such a way that preserves you. But before we go to that, just wanted to just lay a general, um, a, a, a general overview 
James chapter 4, verse 8 says, and it was interesting as I was following the hymns, and this is why they tell you that, you know, every, in, in a CNS service, every, everything from the beginning of Timothelago up to, we are not, okay. Someone say that there are seven services that happen within a service. Within a CNS service, there are seven services that are within them. God will grant us grace. So if you I just wanted to just say that within the service, there are seven services that happen. Um, but we'll talk about that later. But what I'm trying to say is that it says what I'm why I'm saying that because if you listen to the the um or the the, the possession, I see possession or the intro, it says um no, there was one that said um, um, that talked about drawing, drawing more, uh, more, more, and things like that. Possession of him, God bless you, man. So what I'm trying to say is that at times, for you to know if the service sinks, you would have seen from the beginning. If you are following it, it would not, it would not, it would not. Um, uh, so, but the Bible says, I said, draw close to God. And God would come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your heart. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. But what the Bible is saying here is that God is saying you need to initiate a move of drawing close to him so that he can draw close to you. Now you would we, we would think naturally that what that means is that is that God is not interested, he's trying to, but in his own heart, his desire is that he wants he desires you so much that he wants you to draw he wants to come close to you. But the pattern is you draw close to him, then he draws close to you. When we go to that verse 5 of James chapter 4, you would see that the Bible says that. He said, he said, or do you suppose that it is it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that has that he has made dual within us? Basically, the Bible is saying that it's as if there is one spirit, the spirit of God in you, that God is that is like a connect that is that God is has put there so that you can connect with him. It's as if you have you have a team mobile. Sin. If that T-Mobile sin is within your, when you come close to a mast or where there is a connection of T-Mobile, it will pick it up. So God has put a spirit, a spirit inside of you, so that there can be that connection. All I'm saying at this very point is that God cares so much about you. He. He desires you so much, more than you know, that he desires you. I'm saying this because so that we can put certain things in context as we go on. Now, when we read, David began to try to try to put this in a little bit of perspective in Psalm 139. David said, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. 
they outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake up, you are, you are still with me. He said, when I gather all the sand of the earth, the amount of time you think about me, it is beyond the number of sands when you pack them together. I want to say to you that the person you are in love with passionately, you cannot think about them more than God thinks about you. That's what David is saying. Let me show you one thing. There is a man, a mathematician, took it as a, a um, his own job to kind of find out, try to measure, uh, what I put now, sand, as in count, estimate the number of grains of sand in the world. Do I have a slot? Did you this is just a problem. Okay. Now, let me just put what he said. He said, I'll just forget, this is the Guardian. So I'm just um, taking out that. He said, so how many grains of sand are there in a meter box, in a meter cube box? That is, neither that's all the maths. Some people understand what, what is written here. But he now said, he now said that um, there's a part where he, he actually pointed out that, um, sorry, there's a part I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to look for, but, but basically it's in, it's in billions. It's in billions. It's in billions. So he said, oh yeah, that's what he said. So we can estimate that the number of grains of a sand in a meter cube box is 901 times. He said, in our words, he said, roughly 70 billion grains in a meter cube box. 70, this is one of them, that's right. 70 billion grains in a meter cube box. So that means that, I don't know how about a meter cube box is. So he said that when you are counting one, two, three, it is 70 billion grains. Now, David now said the level of times that God thinks about you is more than all the sand, not one cube box. When they used to count grain by grain, it is more than how much God thinks about you. No matter how madly you love you, have, that person, it, can, it is not possible. <laughs> I said they're not going to sleep. I said maybe you're asleep. Even God, let's say that you don't sleep for the rest of your life. You are always awake. Your eyes is opened wide so that you can do nothing than to think about this person. You still not, you will not still meet up half of a cube. Because all our lifetime seconds does not reach that. So, what I'm saying here is that 
as we begin to look at this issue, it is not that God has, it is that he desires in his heart. David said, when you count it, the, the thing that I can use to measure is even, will not even equate to how much he really loves me or how much he thinks about me. How much he thinks about me. Now, as you begin to look at that, you would see that Jesus now introduced something in connection to measuring how God really values you. But the way he introduces it, it seems to be a paradox. So you would see in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body and they cannot touch your soul. Fear. Only God who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. What does that mean? It seems like what Jesus is saying is that fear... I want you to fear God in such a way that he can, he can discard, destroy a human being and just discard it. But in the next sentence, Jesus now said, what is the price of two sparrows? One, one copper coin, but a single sparrow can fall to the ground without, can, can a single sparrow fall to the ground without the father knowing? And now said, the hairs on your head are numbered. So do not be afraid. You are more valuable. Because when you first of all, the first thing he said, you think what he's saying is that you have you can just. But please, what I'm trying to say as we come is that he's saying do not fear. Do not be afraid. But he also says fear. So as we begin to introduce this about the fear of God, it is not fear of God that you will run away from him. That's what Jesus is trying to say. That's why he was trying to bring the two together. See, Jesus now said, every hair on your head are well numbered. So that God knows every strand of hair on your head at every point in time. Do you know why that is difficult? NHS says you lose between 50 and 100 strands of hair on a daily basis from your head. So to keep up with that calculation, it shows that our God is very, well, when I'm saying going, our God is so intentional about you. That's why when, see, when Jesus will use certain things, he probably knew that the problem is that you think that when the Bible says that uh, God can number the number of your head, you say, okay, God is saying that he can count it. No. God, what Jesus is saying is deeper than that. He's saying he knows it by keeping track of how many has fallen today, how many is growing today. That is the deeper thing of what Jesus is saying. He's not just talking about your hair, but he's saying that that hair has, there is, it goes up and down. 
So God knows, oh, 51 dropped today, two came up. I want to be an please, man. It is all dropping and no growing. God bless us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. But what I'm trying, where, where I'm going with this as we move closer is to see that what the fear of God, the fear of God is expected to draw you closer to him and not push you away. The fear of God is an opportunity to draw closer to him than to push you back. Now, one of the things that God, you will begin to see through scriptures, that the way God deals with people, out of his love, there are certain things he may prevent people from accessing. Because you, there are certain things that, how do I put it now? There was a day we were doing, not here, back in uni then, we were doing worship. And the whole place was, you know, you could sense the presence of God. And as I was standing and worshipping, but I was my eyes was closed. Then I had like a voice in my ear saying, how dare you stand before me? By the time I opened my eyes, everybody was on the floor. So, I had to just prostrate in worship of him. And I discovered that the person leading the worship, this is why you have to be said, the person leading the worship, how to get to a point that he said, was even the, um, the lead then, he said, he just caught the service, caught the worship. And things like that. And said, you know, let's, hallelujah, 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 and things like that. Some people were offended. But he did it to protect some people's life. Because within that service, somebody was playing in. Because there are some levels, or as you get closer to God, there are certain things that even as much as he loves you, the best he can do is to say, stay there. Because you, you cannot... You know, you cannot let. We, we, we would see, you know, when, when God, when God struck the children of Aaron. In not in, in Leviticus chapter ten, the Bible says that then, then Nabla and Habib, the sons of Aaron, each each took his censer and puts and puts a fire in it, and this, and and the incense on it and offered a profane fire before the Lord, before the Lord, which he had not commanded them to. So the fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Aaron, so Moses said to Aaron, um, sorry, Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord says, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. Before all the people, I must be glorified. So God is saying, don't just approach me. 
because you get so comfortable that you fail to realize who you are approaching. Now, there is a lot to be said about the kind of fire and where they got the fire from. Let me try to briefly just point to explain that a bit. When they get the fire, there is, when you look at the ark of the, sorry, the, um, the temple of Moses, um, the tabernacle of Moses, where they put the fire was in front of the altar. But normally they should take the fire from the back, outside the tabernacle. That is what they call the brazen altar. So they pick fire from there and they come and put it on the incense room. But I don't know where they got their fire from. It was not from there. So God now decided fire, saying, I'm not short of fire. But I, I have a pattern by which I, the fires I honor matter. Now, why is God so particular about the fire from the um, Branson halter? And what does that have to do with you and me? The brazen altar is where when people bring sacrifice of sin, it is outside that they, that they sacrifice that animal. And out of the fire day is what you bring. How does this work to us? A life that is not for sacrifice before God, that has not been given to Christ, if you stand to do certain level of ministry, it is profane before God. Does this make sense? Because when they bring the, the sacrifice of sin, that sacrifice of sin is done outside. There's a big, if you see the picture, there's a big um, altar there. It is out of the fire day that they bring inside. So when they brought a fire that did not come from that altar, the altar was Things are dealt with where the flesh is dealt with. God bless you. So this is the brazen altar. Oh, sorry, the bronze, sorry, the bronze altar. This is the altar of incense. So they are supposed to pick fire from here to bring here. But where did they bring the light from that did not bring from? Why is God so particular about the bronze altar? Because this altar is where the sacrifice of sins are done. And if that is not done properly, if you break any other altar, it, it, it takes fire from heaven. How does that happen to us in the CLS world? You know, I said there are so many services we do in the CLS world. That is why you start by doing Ijeweshe. You start your service. Please, can you go back there? God bless you. You start your service from forgiveness of sins. What did you do afterwards? What did you do afterwards? What did, thank you. <laughs> what did you say? You said Thanksgiving for <laughs> What did you say? Sorry. Huh? Opening him. Yeah. And sanctification. So when the service, leader service is doing, it starts from forgiveness of sins, sanctification. This water, brazen halter, is meant 
for the priest to wash their face as an instrument of sanctification. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. See, that is why at times I may prefer people not to do if you don't understand the depth of it. Because if you understand the depth of it, life will come out of it. Or else, if you don't understand the depth of it, you'll be practicing it. But there's nothing you, you do, you know, because your faith needs to attach to it. Your faith is not attached to the, to the tradition, that's what I'm saying. So, should in case that you come one day and you don't now do um, the. Uh, I charge you to forget to pray for forgiveness or something. Hey, excuse me. <laughs> God help us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We'll teach, we'll teach more about it. That's why I said, you know, that are, there are different services that happen within this year the service. And there are reasons why God has ordained each one to be there. There are each one that why God has ordained only each one to be there. So let's go back to what we are talking about anyway. Um, so it says, so when you go to Psalm 80, 89 verse 7, it said, God is to be greatly feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by those who come close to him. By those who come close to him. Now some people would say, you know, um, the Bible says, how does this come to? The Bible says that the law of the Lord is perfect. Combat them. The fear of the Lord is clean. It endures forever. So that means for you to last with God, you must understand the fear of God. If you don't understand the fear of God, you will not last. That's why he said, the fear of God is clean. It endures forever. It endures forever. So the Bible says to us, let's just look at, uh, 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 the Bible uh, says to us in, in, in Philippians chapter 2. He said, he said um, verse 12, he said, So then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed me and my instruction with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but in my absence, continue the work of salvation. He now went on, he said, with all inspired fear, trembling. He now said, using serious caution, critical evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God. To avoid anything that might offend God. Or bring discredit to the name of Christ. He's saying that the fear of God is being conscious of how you live your life. It is, it is, it is constantly thinking and saying, do I really, am I really holding God in, 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 in the highest regard that I can? He said, critically self-evaluate to avoid anything that might offend God. 
I'll give you two Christians, or what we may classify as Christians, by the New Testament. Abraham, the Bible calls him a righteous man. Lot, the Bible calls him a righteous man. They are both two righteous men. If one fears God, the other one does not. One was able to last with God while the other one was cautious. So what I'm trying to say, we're not even talking about you a Christian. We're saying that do you fear God? So we see Abraham who when God said, do this, even when he wasn't happy with it, you be. And you had lots. Who went and said, Don't look back? He said, ah, no, no, let's. The difference is that one fears God and the other does not. So you would have Christians who fear God and you have Christians who do not. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. One of the benefits of, of having, you know, when you, when, when, you, when you learn to, when you are practicing God's fear in your life, and as a Christian, the Bible says that in Psalm 25, verse 14, it says that, it says, the Lord confines in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. The Bible says in, in the Amplified one, it says, it says this, um, can I have the Amplified piece? It says the secret of the, of, or the, the secret and the wise counsel of the Lord is with those who fear him. He will let them know his covenant and reveal to them, reveal, and, and reveal to them through his word. It's deeper and inner meaning. See, if you don't, learn to read the Bible and obey it. The access to inner truths of scriptures will be blocked from it. How do we give an example of David, sorry, of um, Abraham? A Abraham, God said, I will not hide anything from Abraham. Why? Because he's a man that fears me. The question is that your relationship with God, how, how your relationship with God, how well you enjoy your time with Him, is based on how do you fear Him. Not fear, like we said, as running away from Him, but fear as in you are conscious that His home is close to you. One of the things that we have in our generation is that people do not believe we, we are not conscious that God is is close to us at all times. So you will see somebody who cannot fight in church as soon as they get out. See? Have you seen people who want to fight and say, meet me as after service, meet me as let us finish. As soon as we finish, then we can go and sit outside. 
you know. And the Bible says that God is with those who fear him. They live their life in such a way that they are so conscious about him. The Bible says, Jesus said, and see, he said, the secret counsel. Let's go, let's go to John chapter 15. The Bible says, you are my friend if you do what I command you. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. Please note that when he said that I do not call you servants, these are Christians. They were people who have, who have been following Jesus. So there was a time when they were servants. But until it be, they began to know how to fear God, then God began to usher them into another level of relationship. Another level of relationship. That is why well, that was the difference between Moses and the people of Israel. The Bible says in Psalm 103, verse 7, the Bible says that the Bible says he made his ways known to Moses and his deeds to the children of Israel. Do you know the difference? One is seeing signs, the other one knows how signs have come about. One understands how, how you know they are more into the they understand what God is doing. But there are two kinds of Christians. There are Christians who their relationship with God is all on how many answer prayers he has done. That is the depth of their relationship. Ah, I know God. Why? He did this, he did this, he did this. Those are Christians that rely on deeds. But there is another level beyond that. That they understand his thinking. It doesn't really matter if what God has done favors them or doesn't. Because they fear him. Because they fear him. And as we draw this to a point, the Bible says that, and that's what Jesus was talking. Jesus said, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. What that hallowed mean actually, when you read the um, the good the good news translation of of um, let's do that so please. It says then this is how you pray. Our Father in heaven, may your holy name be honored. May your holy name be honored. See one of the things that God has as an See, you would, you would scripturally, let's put it that way, the move of God in a place is proportionate to how much honor they give him in that place. I'm not talking about healing alone, but even about salvation of souls. The level of honor they give God in that environment, you would see it in how God moves. Because even the Bible says Jesus could not do much in, in a place because of the lack of honor that they showed him. 
Now, what, what, what does it mean to dishonor? What does it mean to dishonor God? Okay, let me give an example. Mm. When God will provide a very wonderful wife for you. Yeah. When you get married and you know, when, when you get married, this may not happen, but your wife brings you food and she puts it in the baby's <laughs> plates. She's giving you food, doesn't she? <laughs> what is that to you? So dishonor is not when you don't give God something. It's when you don't you don't give him a respect who he is. Dishonor by scripture is when you treat God as common. So you can you can give him, you can bring certain things and say, oh, boy, I'm doing it. As far as God is concerned, he would rather you not do it than for you to bring it before him in this home. Please note, let's just also clarify here, that honoring God is not by showing, see, a honor that does not come from the heart, as far as God is concerned. You don't reference him. You are only doing it because, ah, no, this is, this is how we should do it too. Ah, they told me that where I put my card last week is wrong. I will go. I will not put my card right and now walk. Then I say, you, you, you see it. <laughs> so, you know, God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So as we go, bring it a little bit further, just also to kind of, um, you, you know, um, when you go to Malachi, um, Maybe we should read the one from verse 5. That would be better. Um, the, the, the one from verse 5. Yeah, thank you. So I'm getting from verse 5. He said, you will say, sorry, you would see it in your own eyes and say, great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. He now said, a son is honored, a son honors his father, a slave his master. If I am your father, where is my where is your honor due to me? If I am your master, where is the respect due to me, says the Almighty? It is you, priest. So is he not talking about he's saying you the ones that are at the top? He said, You have shown contempt for my name. You ask, how have we shown contempt to your name? Yes. Let's go on, please. He said, by offering defiled food on my altar. But you may ask, how have we defiled you by saying that the Lord's table is in contempt? When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is, it, is that not wrong? When you offer lame and or diseased animal, is that not wrong? He now said, Try them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Let me put it in our modern 
English. What you cannot do to your manager at work, don't bring it before God. That's what he's saying. The attitude you will not behave at your workplace, don't bring it. Don't bring it before God. He said, try it. Go on. God is saying, okay, I am bigger than your line manager. But what you are doing now, go and do it at your workplace. That is why he said, okay, maybe they don't understand what I'm saying. Go and give it to your and say, this is worship. I shared with somebody and I told him quite a while ago. He said, not here. He said, generally, he said, Christians, they serve mammon. Even before me. He said, how is that problem? He said, the reason why they don't behave like this at their workplace is because they are paid. So they are respecting money and they come before me and they behave as if, he said, tell them to take their worship elsewhere. And you would see, let's, let's go on please. He said, now, now, now you plead with God, be gracious to us. With such an offering in our hands, you will, will, will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Let's go on, please. He said, oh, that one of you will shut the doors of the, tem doors of the temple. Basically, tax service, go. Thank you for coming. He's saying, so that you would not, you, so that you would not light on useless fires before my altar. I am not pleased, says the Lord Almighty. I will not accept your offering from your hand. He said, don't worry. If you think that, he said, my name will be great among nations. But what he's saying is that, he said, he said, from sunrise to where it sets, in every place, incense and pure offering will be brought before me because my name will be great among nations, says the Almighty. Some people will not even cope. Turn up into it. You cannot behave like that going to work. The way you sing. And I'm saying you are good singers. I'm so general. If they, if they put it for sale, you put yourself. You will not buy. This attitude of serve God anyhow. See, do you know that they were saying, God? Ah, what do you mean? Why? Where? Where have you done this? What, what does that mean? Is that some people are serving God out of content and they don't know that he's annoyed. But because he hasn't said anything, I think, oh, no, it's, it's, it's okay. It doesn't really matter. That is why God said, go and give what you're giving me to your managers. The way you appear before me, Go and do it elsewhere. And see, even that level is an insult to him. 
But he's saying, if that is the one you understand, go and do it outside. And see if they will take it. As we, because what they were bringing, they were bringing offering before God. But they did not give account to who they were worshipping. It wasn't that they were not bringing offering, but that offering had no, it was as if it had nothing to do with God. Please note, I know some people may turn this to say, bring 10,000 pounds, 50,000 pounds, all this kind of thing. You know, don't use Naira that has points or this kind of thing. That's, that's I do. But what we are saying is that your standing before him, as we are all standing before him, he's looking at you and he's saying, why is this person behaving this way? The problem, the challenge is that we are in an environment where God is not visible the way he was in those days, but yet he's more powerful. How do I know? Aaron. So I'm going to wrap this up. Aaron, Aaron went to provide offering, uh, went into the holies of holies. Why did they, they not go into the holies of holies? When God did not invite him. Because when God is there, they will normally see fire. So this day, Aaron just went inside because Aaron did not see fire. And what did God say? God called Moses said, tell your brother, I will kill him next time he does that. Because Aaron said, after all, God is not, we are, we are, we are the ones here. And they did not know. See, that's, that, was, that was a day. I don't know if anyone was, was there. No, that was a day. And please, this has nothing to do with me. I'm just saying to you, I to let how God is. I was, there was a bit of back and forth with someone who was making an argument about something with me in church. I said, do this. Ah, no, 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 do this. I think so. I know why. This, this, I think so. And the conversation became a bit heated. You know what shocked me that day? People began to go in trance. At times, people do not know that an environment is tensed. But because somebody will just talk and go say, ah, no, it doesn't really matter. Whereas, God is saying, what did that person just do? The equivalent of what happened, please, like I said, he has nothing to do with me, is when Peter was talking to Anastas Afrias. Peter was the one having conversation. God just showed up and said, maybe they don't think that, you think, I am here. Again, this is not, that's why I started off by saying, God desires you a lot. He wants you to draw close to him. But what he's saying is that, fear him. When you do, it is lack of fear that people will appear before God and not be conscious of where they are coming from. I have not seen Charlie this food that somebody will go in trance and come down and that night go and sleep in the girlfriend's house. It is lack of fear. What the Bible is saying, that's where we are going, is that if you and I want to last with God, please, we must learn to fear him.
The fear of the Lord is clean. It endures forever. And as we let's just read Psalm 47 verse 6 to 7. Bible says, sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all hearts. What does he say? Take note of who you are singing to. He now said, sing praises in a skillful psalm. So that means you can use all your instruments be skillful about it, auto tenor, all those kind of things. He said, but he now said, with understanding. Don't dramatize so much that you you have forgotten who you are standing before. And what you are so keen about is ah over flat. <laughs> and God has nothing to do with that. God, please, you know, God did not say don't be skillful. But he said do it with understanding. When you stand before God and you worship him, he wants you to know who you are worshiping. That is the only way you can have total access to him. That's why he said, he said, he said those who fear God is those that he will show his ways. He wants to show you more. He wants you to reveal, to understand him more. But he's saying, fear me. Because the only way he can protect you and I is to keep you afar if you will not learn to fear. If you will not learn to fear. There are still levels that God is trying to bring us in into as a church. But he's saying, ha! Huh? The problem is that the higher you go towards him, the more, the more the heat gets. So he would rather you stay where you are and he can reveal himself. But his desire is that you will draw close. But in drawing close, you must let the fair. So don't do anything in the gathering of Christians because of somebody. Or somebody's going to tell you off or they're not going to tell you off. That's not the issue. The issue is that as you step in, you know there is somebody sitting in that place. You know, there is a way you can disrespect somebody without necessarily, you know, even a daily person, okay, like for example, you're doing family meeting. And I, I, this is very Nigeria, and I think it should be all called, yeah, even all cultures, even at your workplace. And maybe, okay, let's put it your way. Your line manager is having a conversation with, 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 with everyone, and you're not happy with what, what somebody has said with somebody, and you stood up and you walked out. You have disrespected the senior manager sitting there. That's what you've done. You didn't have a problem with him, but the way you have behaved, you have disrespected him. In the Yoruba culture, when an elderly person is sitting down, you cannot stand up and walk away. Even if you don't like it, you stay there. In fact, in the, in the yoga culture, you cannot stand up except they tell you because they will say, wait, 
She felt drooling, drooling. Because and when an elderly person is sitting down, nobody has the right to stand up. When the, when the king of England walks through a place, everybody stands up until he sits. Nobody sits down. It is honor. And when he's sitting down and people are standing up, sitting down, standing up, sitting down, it is disrespect to him. And that is what I feel that God is as we thank him together. I believe he wants you to realize who you are dealing with. I want you to realize who you are dealing with. You know, that was a day I went out to do prayers. I was in a prayer walk. And and I got to I was in the in the woods. So there was this you know tall trees. And God said to me, He said, Look at those trees. So I was looking at those trees. He said, Stand by them. I saw his tree, he said, How tall are they? He said, I created the trees that you have I am bigger. The one that you have come out to speak to is the one that has created the things that is even beyond you. Fear me. I was in church in Lagos. I don't know what I was doing. I think I was in. I was lying down. And God said, and I'll end with that. He said, the sun, the heat of the sun is strong. Do you know what is protecting us from the sun? What is called the ozone layer. The sun has not reduced in its strength. It's just the ozone layer that is protecting it. Jesus is the one protecting you and me from the heat of God. You see the same God in the Old Testament. He has not changed. The mercy we have is Christ. And we should not take that for granted. That day, that's what God told me as I was lying down. He said, I am still as hot and as dangerous as what you saw in the Old Testament. I have not changed. The ozone layer is the mercy of Christ over your life. And that day, he said, behave yourself before me. Let us rise up, please. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.